Hello, and welcome to a new broadcast series from DeaconCast.net. Today, we begin our exploration of the Mass, also called the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the Divine Liturgy, the Breaking of the Bread, the Lord's Supper, and the Eucharist. It is our particular gathering that the Second Vatican Council calls the source and summit of the Christian life, because all that we do flows out of the Mass, our work, our play, our study, and all that we do flows back into the Mass because it is a part of us, of who we are. The idea behind this series is to hopefully give us a better understanding of the Mass, its rich history, as well as its little nuances, so that we can be actively engaged in this great mystery. We are also coming up to the time when we will begin using the new Roman Missal. That will be on the first Sunday of Advent here in 2011. I believe that a better understanding of the Mass, as we have it now, can foster a deeper appreciation for what is to come. Now there have been a lot of rumors that we are returning to the Latin Mass and that it will be hard to learn and that we're stepping back in time. Well frankly, most people do not like change and so it's not surprising that these kind of things would be mentioned, even if the change might be for the better. Just to let you know, we are not returning to the Latin Mass but rather we are looking to the Latin texts to shape our prayer that we say in our vernacular. We will also be spending about eight weeks or so prior to the change preparing, perhaps even sometimes practicing, the new liturgy. We know how hard and scary change can be and so we are moving slowly but with good purpose in what I would call a more eloquent celebration. But the purpose here is not to focus on the future, but rather on the present. So with that in mind, let us begin today's episode. I want to begin at the beginning, because that seems to make the most sense. A lot of people think that the Mass begins when the music starts, and well, to some degree, that is absolutely true. But there are things that we can do to prepare ourselves to come to Mass. Now, I know it is not always possible. Getting out of the house on time can be a blessing just in itself. But arriving a bit early to Mass can be a wonderful way to prepare ourselves, quiet ourselves, before the Mass begins. Another way to prepare is to read the readings in advance. What I do is to read them, sit with them a few minutes, and then read them again. I will have a link in the program notes that will take you to a website that has the Mass readings. When we arrive at the church, the very first thing that we encounter is the door. Church doors can carry with them a lot of symbolism. They are often heavy or ornate. In the ancient liturgy, before the Mass begins, 
the deacon would cry out, The doors! The doors! And they would be barred. And those that are seeking to enter the church, but have not yet been received, would literally be locked out. This practice continues in some Eastern churches, and it is symbolized in our own churches when catechumens are dismissed after the readings. There is a sense of the importance of the doors in our three parishes. Each has an outer door that protects us from the elements. One is heavy and made of wood and is even a little bit ornate. Two parishes have glass doors that allow anyone who wishes to see in. But just beyond these three doors, we have another set of doors. They do not have windows. One may look into the first doors, or they might even enter into the main door. But this second set of doors says that there is still a greater mystery beyond where you are, and that in passing through them, we enter into the mystery. Entering the building. We don't actually stop anyone from coming into the building. In fact, we welcome visitors who might follow another Christian denomination or a different faith tradition. And if they are Christians, they have been baptized in common with us. And so we hope that they would feel free to use the holy water. It's not like we have a sign on it saying who can and who cannot use it. But when we understand what it symbolizes, then the idea of a sign might even make sense. Holy water is water that is blessed by a priest. Some parishes have a large holy water font, more of a fountain really, at the entrance of the church. Others have small receptacles or dishes of water at the entrance. Many parishes also have larger containers of holy water from which the people may draw an amount to take home with them for use there. Holy water is an example of what we call a sacramental. A sacramental is something that we use to strengthen our faith. It is not the sacrament itself. It is not magic or something to be treated with superstition. This particular sacramental, holy water, is a reminder of our baptism which is the sacrament that makes the Christian life possible. It is baptism that makes all the other sacraments possible. So it is fitting that the first item that we have an encounter with in the church is holy water. It is also fitting that we have to pass by or through the waters in order to enter into the mystery. Now in baptism, the priest or deacon immersed you into water or poured water on your head while saying the very same words of Jesus when he gave his last instruction before he ascended into heaven. It is in the last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verses 18 through 20, and I quote, Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. End quote. When we enter the building, we touch our right fingers to the holy water. With the water on our fingers, we make the sign of the cross. The sign of the cross is one of the most ancient of prayers. When we present ourselves for baptism, or when our parents presented us as infants, the priest traces the sign of the cross on your forehead and says that he claims you for Christ. That is a pretty radical thing, really, because what is being said is that in order to have life, you will embrace death. For as the cross, as glorious as it is, it is also an instrument of death. When we bless ourselves with holy water, we too pronounce the persons of the Trinity. Touching our foreheads, we say, in the name of the Father. Moving our hands to our chests, we say, and of the Son. Then touching our left shoulder, and of the Holy, and moving to the right shoulder, Spirit. It is a very baptismal thing to do. The introductory rite. A rite, spelled R-I-T-E, is a formulated way of praying, giving praise to God, or worshiping Him. The introductory rite of the Mass sets the tone and theme of the Mass. It unifies the diverse members of the faithful into one community of faith. The congregation is prepared for worship and invited to enter into the mystery of the liturgy. The intent is that the assembled group unites as a community properly prepared to hear God's word and celebrate the Eucharist. The first part of this rite is the entrance procession, where the priest and other liturgical ministers process from the rear of the church to the altar. Altar servers may lead the procession carrying a cross, what we call the processional cross, and sometimes they may carry candles. On more solemn occasions, a server might lead the procession with burning incense followed by the processional cross. An opening hymn may be sung, or the entrance antiphon may be recited. This procession calls the assembly to worship. Next comes the veneration of the altar. Once the procession arrives at the foot of the altar, the priest, any concelebrating priests, and any deacons serving at the altar will kiss the altar as a sign of reverence. It is no mere table that we kiss, but it is Calvary, Golgotha, the site of the crucifixion. The Mass itself begins with the sign of the cross, in which we profess our faith 
in a Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and by which we also recall our baptism. The sign of the cross is both a true blessing from God and a true commitment from us to follow the Lord. Next is the greeting. The priest greets the assembly with a formula from our Christian tradition. One such formula is, The Lord be with you, to which the assembly responds, And also with you. This is more than just a friendly good morning. It is a prayer in which the priest asks God to be with you in all that you do in this liturgy. Our response is a prayer asking the same for our priest. That is followed by the penitential rite. Recognizing that we are all sinners, the penitential rite calls us to pause, recall our sins, and ask for God's forgiveness and mercy. This is a time to remember our own sinfulness as well as the limitless love and forgiveness of God. The Eucharist brings us healing, renewal, and reconciliation. An act of contrition or the sprinkling rite where the priest sprinkles the whole congregation with holy water may be used here. It also may include the use of the Kyrie, or the Lord have mercy. It is a type of prayer called pleading, as we are asking God to do something for us. It is sometimes said in Greek, not in Latin. When we hear the words Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison. This is a unique set of prayers in that they are always addressed to Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. If done in the longer form, which we call tropes, each pleading is preceded by a statement about who Jesus is, reminding us that he has the authority to give us mercy and forgiveness of our sins. So rather than just saying, Lord, have mercy, the deacon or the priest would say, Lord Jesus, you were sent to heal the contrite. Lord, have mercy. And the people respond, Lord, have mercy. This Kyrie, whether in English or in Greek, may be recited or sung. This is most often followed by the Gloria, or the prayer that we know that begins with glory to God. This prayer can be sung or recited on all Sundays, except those during Advent and Lent. It is recited sometimes on some solemnities and major feast days during the week, but it is not recited at daily Mass. This is a hymn of praise acknowledging God's greatness. We gather together for worship and are reminded of God's goodness shown to us through all of our many blessings, graces, and gifts. The Gloria infuses us with an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving. Next we come to the opening prayer. This is also called a 
collect, spelled the same as collect. This prayer sets the theme of the Mass and is chosen to correspond to the liturgy of the day, whether it is a special feast, uh, the saint of the day, or a liturgical season. This marks the conclusion of the introductory rite and gathers the people together in a spirit of prayer. At the end of the opening prayer, the assembly responds, Amen, to affirm the prayer intoned by the priest. Well, that concludes this episode of the Deacon Cast. Until we meet again, Shalom, peace be with you.